That reminds me of uh, when that preseason scrimmage at Southlake against SMU when the guy stole the ball off of Chad Deering. So Chad turned around, ran 15 yards, and broke his leg. Uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot Chad broke his leg. Yeah, classic Chad Deering. Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Now go shop at Soccer90.com for all your FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. They got a little bit of everything over there. And don't forget, because you are a beloved Third Degree listener of this podcast, you get 25% off your order. That's a quarter of it when you use the code Third Degree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, I'm Peter, for those of you new here. And joining me today are my very best friends that I love to talk all things FC Dallas with. First off, all the way from Lutontown is one Dan Crook. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Dan? Dan? Buzz, where's Dan? Oh, uh, not here. I thought you knew that. No. <laughs> no. Oh, he Dan. Had, he has family stuff today. Uh, of course. Quote, unquote, yeah. family stuff. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I thought you got that memo. Oh, man. We didn't have... We're not going to get his mumbly jokes on the podcast today. Yes. Okay. Well, then there's leaving that just to you and me. And that, of course, is the voice of your hero and mine, editor and founder of ThirdDegree.net, the amazing Buzz Carrick. Hello, Buzzard. Hello, Peter. Uh, it's too bad it's not, Dan's not here. I was going to tell him congratulations on the Big England win, but, uh, you know. Maybe that's what, maybe he's just completely trashed and hung over yeah. from celebrating <laughs> England to Germany zero. I mean. You remember what he said uh, when they got that draw? He was like, oh, we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll never be yes. the Germans. Yeah. yeah. Well, Good for congrats, him. congrats to our English friend, Dan, and yeah. uh, condolences on his, uh, on his blood stream, his alcohol content, because I'm sure he. Got a little toasted after that uh, after that victory. Okay, well here we go. We uh, so at some point in the last podcast we had a good laugh over the fact that first place was playing last place and last place being Dallas, and but because this is MLS and it is parody driven, it would be just like this league for Dallas to go out and blank New England, and lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Dallas two, New England zero. And it, all it took, it appears, Dan, I mean, uh, Buzz, was for Lucci just to push a couple of pieces around into positions that maybe putting people in their right places. Yeah, the, the big takeaway from this game, and really, uh, you can almost go back to the Minnesota game too, certainly the second half of the Minnesota game. And if you throw out the LAFC game in the middle, the big takeaway is this um, formation that Lucci's using now that uh, he called it a 4411 let's be clear it's not like it's an old school flat 4411 it's a very modern one but um the thing is is that 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 formation is designed to grind and to mask deficiencies and it is not luchi ball luchi ball as we used to call it is gone this is now more of an oscar pereja type mid to low block counter punch, get people over the top. It's what Dallas played when Oscar was here uh, for five years. So I even, I, I, we'll talk more about it later today, but I went to practice and I talked to Lucci and that was the very first thing we talked about to, when I was talking to him was this formation. And he flat out said, yeah, we got to find a way to grind and get results. And that's what this is. And we're covering some deficiencies and we're covering some problems, but we were able to get a result. And that's huge. Results are everything. Your records is what you are. And they jumped from last to up two spaces and they're now on 10 points, which puts them three points from seventh. So, you know, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, listen, this team's still not good. Don't get me wrong. And the schedule's still a problem, but. Uh, credit to Lucci for finding a way to grind out a result with what is what we think now of as a, a deficient roster. 
But shouldn't we also just take a moment to highlight that maybe the big difference between this game and every other game yet this season is the inclusion and, frankly, outstanding play of one Jesus Freya? Yeah, he's playing now. Jesus is. Uh, and it started at the halftime of the Minnesota game, which is why we mentioned that game specifically. Um, he's playing as a, you know, depending on whether you want to call it as a 10 or whether you play it like I do or call it, excuse me, not, not like I do, call it like I do, an <laughs> off striker. I don't play that spot. <laughs> no, uh, call it like I do, an off striker. And a particular component of that is, of course, we, as we say, the runs into the box and the play underneath Pepe. This is Jesus's best position. We've been talking about this since we've seen the kid when he was 16 years old. This is what he does best. And so in many ways, despite the fact that against Minnesota, Ricarte started there first, again, sometimes you got to give vets the first go at things. And then when it doesn't work, then you can bring in the kid. Plus, Jesus wasn't healthy. This formation is really tailored for Jesus and probably Pepe too. That Pepe high Jesus under combination is something we've been dreaming about for a couple of years as like, Oh, can't wait for this to actually be the combo, you know? And instead of being like, and this is another thing Lucci said to me today was like, forget about this stuff of the future. This is the thing for now. Pepe and Jesus mm-hmm. is for now. And this is our best pairing. And this is what we're going with. So it, it is amazing how much difference you can get out of a team with the inclusion of one particular player. But I do. And since you've already brought up Pepe, I, I want to go ahead and, and dive into this because Uh, While I was not at the game in person, I was so pleased uh, by his two goals. And the one thing that stood out to me, especially after he had scored the second goal, was just the clear reality that Frank O'Hara gets nowhere near scoring either one of those goals because he's just too old and too slow, and that's not in his wheelhouse. And it does scream at this point, how does Pepe not start every game from here on out? And the $2.9 million guys just got to sit on the bench. Yeah, it's a good question because uh, Pepe is now playing like in the first team, like he played in the academy. There's an edge there and a little bit of a ruthlessness. Now he needs to maintain it, obviously. And same with Jesus. Last year, Jesus played this spot and wasn't always this good. But there's more maturity in both those guys. And and we saw in this game in particular, when Frank O'Hara subbed in, even before he subbed in, I commented on Twitter that that's a horrible idea because he's totally dissimilar from Pepe. And if you're playing this Oscar Preya-style counterpunch, you can't put an old, slow dude at nine. So not right. only can you not play this way with Franco as the starter, you can't play this way with Franco as the sub. You have to make an adaptation. Somebody else as a winger, has to come in and play that vertical role. I mean, O'Brien can do that role as a starter, but you got to bring in a Dante or an Emma or somebody like that to play that vertical component if Hara is going to be out there because he sure as heck can't play that component. And you're right, he would not have scored either one of those goals. And in particular, I think it's the second one. There's a maturity in that goal where Pepe doesn't take the first snap thing and instead like pumps it and goes once more and really opens it up and gives himself a clean shot that was just just phenomenal. I get such joy about watching these young players come through and have it sort of click for them and all of a sudden be like, oh, okay, now I get it. And I feel that way about Pe- – Jesus did that before, but he's doing it almost again. And Pepe, for sure, I feel that way about it. It's so much fun to watch. And what up until now has been a bad team, all of a sudden that one game we feel great, Right. Yeah, you know, I, I the the second goal, I, I you know, when that happened, I tweeted out the video of it and I described it as a goal you generally see reserved for a lopsided academy game where one kid is just bossing everybody else and you just don't see the two moves in particular. The first move that destroys um Jones and then the second move that destroys Bell, who are by the way two regular starters on the best team in the Eastern Conference. He absolutely smokes both of those guys and then puts a perfect finish past arguably the best keeper in Major League Soccer. Just shows a level of, uh, I don't know, I I was just so impressed by that goal. The first goal was almost as impressive, but all of that, neither one of those goals are things that Frank O'Hara was ever going to do. But 
but hold on one sec. The reason why I'm I'm also impressed by these goals, the first one in particular is when Pepe had started the previous games, I was starting to ask myself, well, I, I'm not seeing a lot of this from this kid. I don't really know. We're not really getting opportunities to see what he's capable of. And this goes back to how we open this particular uh, podcast, which is Jesus Freya, who was really the key ingredient to unlocking Pepe in this game. Yeah, I was looking at the stats post game, and the only player that played a through ball was Jesus, and he had he was I think it was two for three on through yeah. balls. You know, he's he's the player that in that whatever you want to call it, advanced ten off striker, he can play. And this is the thing Lucci talked about last year that nobody understood is that Jesus plays between the lines. He breaks lines, he plays between lines, he plays combinations, he gets into the channels, and he plays balls through the channels, which is where the danger spots are. So he's a, he's an advanced player of the game for his young age. Uh, and in, the, in this particular team, those two guys and their play together, that combination together, there was even a quote from Jesus postgame where he said he and Pepe, being so young and coming through the academy at kind of the same time, have a connection. They have an affinity off the field. They have an affinity on the field. They 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 feel each other really well, and that's a combination that works. And the rest of the team is set up for those two guys to take advantage, and the rest of the team handles a lot of the deficiencies. Now, can they do it again, and can they do it on the road? Really, those two guys are going to, and how they can continue to do this, are going to determine the course of this season. If they can't do it consistently, then this team's going to stay at the bottom. But if they can, they're going to slowly climb up, <clears throat> even playing on the road. If they can grind out some points on the road and put themselves into position where they have that home stretch at the end, maybe they can get something out of this season, but it's going to be a heavy weight. That schedule still looms out there with all of its road games. It's tough. Um, but hopefully, hopefully those two guys, because they are so young, and hopefully Paxton will be in the conversation eventually, Hopefully they have the mentality to fight through it because it may be a tough season. Even if, they're, even if they're going well, it may be a tough season. The other element that was different in this particular game um, and it is something that we started talking about last season and potentially even the season before, which is the historic issue of this team's problem at left wing. I mean, this team's uh, training ground is littered with the dead bodies of people they've tried to bring in to play that position and just, you know, been horrible at it. And Vargas uh, is the latest casualty of that. And we've made the joke, or at least asked the question, maybe it wasn't even a joke, asked the question if maybe the answer at left wing all along hasn't been Ryan Hollingshead, who I thought played a really good game against New England, and I'm not sure he isn't actually the solution as long as you let Ryan Nels- uh, Johnny Nelson play left back behind him in, a, in, a, in the proper f- formation. Yeah, th- that's the trick is that this formation lends itself to Ryan's game. Um, it's, a, it's a bit more of a wide midfield than it is a high wing because it is mm-hmm. a 4-4-1-1, even if it's a modern one. That's effectively where he played. In college, that's where he started out with FC Dallas. When he plays in the back, he plays it that way. Like, you know, we're playing left back like he's a wide mid. He's really an ideal player for this particular system uh, in the sense that he can play, because he's a two-way player, when you put him on top of an outside back and then don't ask the outside back to be a flying outside back, both of those positions get better. You'd like to replicate that on the right, and we'll get to that in a minute. But... Those two guys together make a very solid left side that everyone is going to have a lot of difficulty breaking down. And Johnny, all of a sudden, instead of having to be a guy that's going end to end, now only has to go like two thirds of the way and just be a support player for Ryan. And Ryan will play outside in like he always does. And it's particularly effective in this formation because your center guys, Acosta and Faco, are both going to be more stay at home kind of things. So you really want ryan to play outside in like that uh it's 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 a really nice formation given the personnel they have available and this is what we talked about with lucci for a long time was he's out he kept for the first two seasons basically he made probably even the start of this one he kept trying to take the players he had and play the way he wanted to play and never really was successful sometimes you have to play the way your personnel dictates and that's what we're kind of seeing now so uh, another part of the wonderfulness of Pepe's second goal 
which, by the way, is playing in a, an animated loop on my computer in front of me right now <laughs> yeah. because I love it so much. I love the little death touch around the first player. Oh, yeah. I love the decision to delay and take the shot. But maybe the most underrated aspect of that particular move is his decision not to pass the ball to a wide-open Jadir O'Brien. Mm. Because I want to spend a few minutes talking about this debate that you and I have been having over uh, chat of late. I think that cat is a flat-out bust. I And you, I think, uh, reserve a little bit of hope that he yeah. may come good over a period of time. But I don't—he I, I, isn't— he doesn't have a particular skill set that impresses me. He tactically is a disaster. And he doesn't seem to be ever capable of changing the game or making a difference. Even, you know, if you want to compare him to Barrios, you know, there was that period of time when Bar- Barrios first got here where he struggled so much that they were about to cut him until he had a really good game in an open cup and then everything kind of came good for him. I don't think Jadir is even close to that buzz, and I they got to figure out a way to get that guy off the field. Yeah, I, I think the difference uh, between your stance and my stance is basically the difference between complete and total bust, and I think there's still maybe some a little bit of value there. I, I agree with you that he should now sit. Uh, he should he the next game he should not start. I don't I don't think that's going to happen though. Uh, we'll talk about it the next game later. Um, but in particular, in this in, in this new formation, he's not right now. He's not helping Che enough. Who's your weakest defender at this point? Uh, he's not helping Che enough uh, defensively, like Ryan helps Johnny. Not that Johnny needs a lot of help, but Che needs more, and he, he ain't getting it from Obreon. Um, the 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 thing that Obreon does bring a little bit of. Uh, and the reason there is a little value there still in my mind is that if you're going to counterpunch, Ryan on the left side, Pepe can counterpunch for sure. Jesus can too. Ryan's a little, just a touch slower. So like his, and his play is not vertical in style. It's underneath. Mm-hmm. So Obreon is it one more piece that if Jesus is, has the ball and turns, Obreon's a player he can play into space. Now, Granted, I, it's not been great. I give you that. He does have two goals, which is something. So Zero I, assists. I know, I know. Yeah, listen, I, I'm not saying he's a winner. I'm just saying that I'm not going to go. I'm not ready to say complete bust yet. I'm just, I, I do think he should sit. I, I would like to see, man, I don't even know who I would put out there. <laughs> Well, that's uh, the problem, right? Is the roster yeah. is so wonky, they don't really have a natural person as a backup to play that position. Well, Dante Seeley, kind of, but he's really more of a pure wing. That, that, to get somebody that can do like Ryan does, which is sort of a, an older midfielder style, uh, Emma Tuomasi might be great there. You know, he he led Austin Bold in chances created for like two seasons, even though he didn't lead him in assists. He might, as he's getting healthier and healthier, he's an option there. Uh, Khalil is for sure an option there because he likes to play outside in, although he does like Ryan on the left. He plays outside in on the left. Mm-hmm. If you put him on the right, I don't know if he can do it as well. Um, maybe maybe Paxton could go over there. I, I think. But isn't but uh, yeah, all those names you're but all the names you're mentioning create a problem in that if you if you play any of those players. One, they're not necessarily playing their natural position. Right. Exactly. And two, they're all essentially rookies or first-year players who now have to play in front of Justin Che, who is also a rookie and a first-year player. And yeah, so they, now your entire right side is just uh, 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 just an open wound waiting to be attacked. Yeah, this, this goes back to another one of the roster deficiencies we've talked a little bit about, is that all along, Obreon's backup is basically Dante Seeley, who was 17, now 18-year-old kid, who's good for 10 minutes off the bench. He's not ready for like a 90 minute, you know, fight. Um, you don't really have, you know, you haven't really had a real backup over there behind him the whole time. It's one of the reasons why he continues to play all the time. And if you look at the roster, any option you can come up with is going to be a guy who's a little bit out of position. You could stick a Thomas over there. Maybe you could try Brandon. I mean, the best bet may end up being Shabolik shown, in that spot. I mean, I think I feel like Sean was supposed to be a left-sided guy, but he sure looked like he could play either side equally as well to me. I mean, I'm not saying he's be a game breaker, but I'm saying I'm looking for guys that can play that spot. 
And other than trying like a Vargas over there or something, I don't really know that there's a whole lot of options other than. I don't think there is either. Yeah. Yeah, Well, speaking of Sean, he is back and he came out today again. They have him in sort of a uh, recovery type setup where he's doing like stuff on his own. But I did see a a conversation where Lucci asked, when is he going to be back in with us, you know, with the trainers Friday or Saturday. And they, they said something and Lucci gave a thumbs up. So I would imagine that we're close to having Sean back in competition. I can't believe I'm excited that Sean's coming back, which is funny because honestly, O'Brien's been so mediocre that I'm, I'm almost excited to get Sean back to put him out there and see if he can be the guy on that side that can play like Ryan and, and balance out this formation a little bit. You know, Lucci thinks he can defend. He put him at wing back. So maybe he can play a little bit in combo with Che and we'll find out because you're right. There's no great right mid on this team. And then moving into the center of the park, uh, we found out today that we're going to end up losing the arguably the best player on the team so far of the 2021 season, which is Brian Acosta, as he will end up going on national team duty for the Gold Cup. That's going to hurt. But before we talk about who his replacement might be and, and how well Brian's been playing, um, I want to know if you yet have any sort of judgment on Quinone. Uh, and his performance in the couple of three games he's played. Faco, I'm sticking with Faco. Um, okay, Faco. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, I I quite like him. Now, I don't think he's, um, you know, the, a world beater like Grezzo was. Um, right now, I don't think he's even quite where uh, Tiago Santos was. But what I particularly like is that he tackles really well. And he's almost always in the right spot so far. Now, I'd like him to be a little bit fitter and a little more mobile. But, you know, I'd like a free pony, too. And I'm not always getting what I want. You want a pony? No, it's just making a joke, man. Come on. Oh, just a line. Okay. Yeah. So, I think he's pretty good. I I, I want him to be able to go more 90. Uh, I think as the season goes, he'll play in a little bit. And it'll get better and better. I think at the amount of money Dallas is going to spend, that's about as good as you can hope for. People are going to think I'm crazy, but Edwin Cerillo looks better in like the two weeks that that guy's been here than he has to me all season. Like just watching him in training and watching the couple of minutes he got the other day, something maybe has clicked on that kid a little bit. And maybe it's because he got rejected again for that spot. He's like, okay, I got to do something because mm-hmm. he looks a little better than he has in the past. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm satisfied with Faku. I don't think, He's going to elevate the team, but there's no longer a detriment or a hole, you know, in the middle like there was right. when Tanner was sixing. You know, I, we love Tanner, but he ain't a six. Yeah, I, I don't feel like I have a real solid grasp on what the guy's game is. I, he doesn't cover the ground that Grezo used to cover. He's not the nasty kind of hard tackler that Santos was. He kind of falls somewhere in between those guys in a very nebulous nebulous place. Although I will point out what largely went missed on Pepe's first goal is that whole sequence gets started because he slides in and tackles the ball away, which then falls to Jesus, who makes the one-touch, yeah. uh, the beautiful one-touch pass to Pepe. Um, and now let's move over to Brian, who uh, maybe now's a good time for him to go on national team duty because his tendency to take shots from distance that go way out of anywhere other than on frame seems to be uh, p- poking mm. its head back in again. Yeah. I noticed that. I, I don't, uh, I, I think it's maybe, maybe it's cause he's playing deeper. I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, his confidence is growing. Confidence is high. Overconfidence. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so now he's going to blast it. Yeah. Uh, Acosta has been the team's best player, you know, through the first, what are we up to now? Like nine games. I think it is 11 games. 11, is it 11? Like I don't remember. I think so. Yeah. Uh, 10. 10. So, he has been the best player. Granted, I'm with you that all of a sudden it was like, uh, I think maybe it's because, you know, Pepe and Jesus are both in the center. And if he comes forward at all, sometimes the wings might not be there. And so it's like, what am I going to do? Okay, I'll rip it. I, I don't I don't like that. But um, the answer to him being gone is pretty obviously Tanner. Uh, you know, testament is that uh, that's his position last year when he was split in time with Acosta, basically, because Acosta was always hurt. Brandon Cervania, outside shot, is the third guy there, but I don't think there's any question that it'll just be Tanner. Good opportunity for Tanner. See if you can rise to the occasion, right? Play the kids. Maybe you can dominate that spot enough that you can keep it, but uh, we'll see. 
Yeah, certainly with the transfer window opening, if there is truly any interest in Tanner, now's the time for him to show off his wares. Yeah. Not that not that I think he'll actually get sold in this window. Uh, I'd be shocked if he actually went in this window, but I guess yeah, Nicky Hernandez time. might factor there too, but he's hurt. So, you know, he's been with North Texas on like sort of recovery lately. Yeah. So uh, in the hour prior to the start of the game when the lineup came out, I think we all did the scary horror movie, uh, put your hands over your face and kind of look at the starting 11 through your fingers. <laughs> because what we all witnessed was the uh, craziness of the back line because uh, Martinez or Mart is it? Mar- did we decide it's Martinez or Martinez? Martinez. Martinez. All right. Yeah. Um, I know I ask that every time. I always forget. Um that he's uh, like, do we know when or how or what happened with his injury situation? Yeah, uh, he picked up something like in training like the day before and they thought he was going to be okay. And then they did like a pregame test and he was not. Uh, Lucci says he's out two to three weeks, basically. Do so we know something, what it is? Yeah, hamstring. Uh, okay. Yeah, which is not surprising given how he was sort of laboring with it even before. Um, thankfully, Brisson's healthy. That's minor huntsman dumb, two to three weeks on Martinez. Um, okay. Hedges Hedges is a week and a half from returning to training. He is running again, so that's positive. Um, the other positive is that. Wait, hold on a sec before you go. What yeah. officially is Hedges' injury? Because I don't know it. Uh, other than hip in quotes, air quotes, something with the hip. I'm not really sure. Somebody told me back originally, but they've listed it as hip. So okay, you know he's got a hitch in his giddy up, I guess. Um. <laughs> Interesting that they put Brisson on the right in order to bridge with Che. I think that's a smart choice. Uh, and then Nikosi Tafari, for me, actually, has rapidly improved in the two games he played to the point now, like like three weeks ago, I had no idea if he was going to have a career. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, the guy's fine. He's going to have an MLS career if he wants it. He's progressing nicely. Uh, I really like what I see there. Now, is it great yet? No, but every game he looks better. Uh, he knew, he's a work on his passing, of course, but that's, yeah, you know, passing yeah. really is quite poor, but you know, but, but that happens with young up and coming yeah. center backs, right? That's the first thing we right. always point out. I mean, very rarely does a young center back show up and pass great and be a bad defender. And really all at this point, all I care about is him heading balls out and, and yeah. marking guys in the box. And yeah, he seems Physi- to be doing that pretty well. Physical presence, you know, he, he knows where his weak spots are, so he doesn't try and do it too much. You know, I just I, I think given the fact that they're out of center backs, he's doing a pretty nice job. I mean, right now, the backup center backs are Eddie Munjoma and Kaiser Gomez, who's a North Texas player. I was gonna say, I yeah, have... <laughs> right. That's where they are. I was hoping you were say Kaiser Soze, but uh, no, you didn't. OK, yeah, um... maybe it's Gomes. I think it's Gomez. So he's. Those are the two backup center backs right now, which tells you where the center back situation is. Look, we've been said all along that even if Justin Shea was here, they still needed one more. They're short of center back on this roster. It clears day right now. You can see it. Mm-hmm. So if if a center back gets hurt, I mean, I'm sure Justin would come inside, but the, the two opposition center backs today were Eddie Munjoma and a North Texas kid. Now, the North Texas kid is good. He's got some promise. I mean, I, I like him. He's 20 years old, big, huge physical guy, but um, you know they're not in a good spot at center back. I mean, honestly, it would be Che, of course, but like I even saw Brandon Cervania take a rotation at center back today. So it's like, that's, Oh wow. That's where, okay. yeah. So, hmm. uh, you know, have I, they done I, test minute center back at all. They have not. I, they did in the Academy once. I, I suggested that because I thought, you know, he's a pretty solid defender and he's big and can head and he can pass really well, amazing passer and he can shoot from range. So that dude could be worth $20 million, but you know, they, they didn't go with that. I think he likes playing in the midfield. You know, he'd be a project. It would take some work, but you know, if you want a bit modern passing center back, I mean, right. Yeah. Look, if you, if he got sold to some European club, it would not surprise me at all that we saw a headline or some sort of note where he had started playing center back for some European team. Like Rekshay. Well, yeah, I suppose. (laughs) Except with all the other (laughs) side ridiculousness that went on with Breck. Tanner's a better soccer player than Breck. Soccer yeah, brain. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's lots of improvements there. Um, okay. So, uh, let's real, we talked about Johnny a little bit beforehand. Uh, any other particular notes about, uh, your overall view on his performance? Oh, uh, Johnny's Johnny, you know, is one of the best individual defenders on the team. Uh, this new formation eliminates some of the burden on him of having to be like a flying wing, which is not what he is. 
you know, it, it, when when it when Shea is rotating up and the three backs roll around, he's perfectly capable of being that three like you want. You know, he's he's gotten better at his basic passing. He doesn't have to do anything crazy. So, um, you know, this is an ideal formation for him. Like he, he, we've talked before, like if I was in this league and needed like a, and wanted to play like a flat four, like a traditional stay at home outside back, I'd be on the phone for that guy, you know, immediately. Yeah. Because he's a perfect for that, you know, and, and this formation is ideal for him. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan, uh, and I was really worried for the kid when I, which I can't remember if it was the LA or the Minnesota game where super late he got caught on the ball and a counterattack and injury time happened, and you thought Dallas was about to. Oh, I guess it was the Minnesota game because I was actually there for that. And Minnesota goes on an odd man advantage, you know, uh, run on goal, and they probably should have won the game there. And I thought, oh, I would have felt terrible for Johnny, but. Somebody came back and cleared it, or they shot it badly, or something, and and Johnny was saved. So, um, I, I I want the best for Johnny Nelson. Now, on the other side is the interesting story of one Justin Che, who yeah, I wonder what's going through that kid's head after coming back from being in Germany for how long was he over in Germany? Six months, five, yeah, four months, roughly six months. And you know, did he? Do, do you think he ever thought he'd come back to Frisco and within a very short period of time be starting in MLS games? Well, he's a pretty confident kid. I, I right doubt back, he much yeah. less or right well, wing or wherever they were playing. But you know, right wing back. <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt he would ever. I doubt he thought he was ever coming back. Um, but you know, once he came back, he probably was pretty confident that he would get in there pretty quickly. I mean, the, the club starts talking about how much they value him. And I, and I understand that they value him over Chris Richards, FC Dallas does, which that to me, that's backwards. But, you know, that's whatever. They're both phenomenal. So it's, you know, it's it's just depends on your flavor of tea you like. They're both amazing players. The problem wow. is, of course, that he's a center back, right? I mean, we should is, also point out they own one of them and they no longer own yeah. the other. So, of course, they value that the, uh, <laughs> the former <laughs> over the latter, right? Yeah, first taste was free. So, yeah. I mean, the, the, this is one of the things that drives me crazy about Lucci uh, is this idea that, like, a player is a good athlete and he's got good feet. We'll just stick him wherever we need to. To me, that's such a uh, academy mentality that I can just put my best guy wherever I want. You know, there's a reason why he played four years at center back in the academy. They stuck him at outside back in North Texas a little bit last year just to sort of get him going and get him in games. But the minute they... They they felt confident about it. He's in at center back. So the funny thing in particular is that think about how adverse Lucci is to playing kids on defense. Like think about how long it took him to play Brian Reynolds, right? And how long it took him to even put Matty Munjoma in a game and how willing he was to put Brisson out there, for example, because he thinks defensive first out of defenders. So like Justin Che at right back is like, in a way, Brisson at right back last year when when whatever wingbacks they had in mind, whatever flying wingers they had in mind weren't ready. And that's where we are now. Monjoma's not getting it done. Emma Tomasi's not fit, not getting it done. So, okay, I'm going to go with a defensive first defender out there. I'm taking a center back and putting him wide. Now they happen to have a pretty athletic center back. So they put him out there. Now, Justin is really soccer smart. He totally gets how, understands it. He tackles really well. When he goes forward, he keeps it simple. He can hit a decent cross and he can play decent, possession game now he's not going to run by somebody and beat five dudes like brian reynolds did but he's going to play simple and he's going to play some good solid connected team defense now one-on-one he's been beat two or three times each game i mean bella scorched him for the second goal against la on that cross end you know and last game he got beat two or three times two one-on-one down the corner so that's what i meant about obreon's got to recognize and come back so that you, so that Che can use the defensive line and the help to box guys in and not get beat for those crosses. He needs a little help. Brisson being on that side helps him a lot. So the in, the inside part got better the second game. So if they can get somebody on the wing to help as well, then you'll show up a whole lot of those things. And again, this formation helps to deal with deficiencies. Uh, right now, Justin Che, as much as we like his future, that is a deficiency as the season goes on, if you're forced to continue to keep using him, he'll get better and better and better because he's a phenomenal talent and a phenomenal player. He's great with the ball at his feet. Not as good a passer as Richards, but he's better probably like as a one-on-one dribbler or in a shielder of the ball than Richards. He's not going to dribble past five people, but 
um, you know, again, this formation and Lucci's in a grinded out situation. He's going with a kid he trusts and they're going with the guy who's better defensively than, than they are guys that are attackers and they're trying to make it work and grind out some results. And so, and the last two games of I'm throwing out LAFC, the Minnesota game and this game looked pretty good in that vein. Hmm. Well, well, uh, clearly at this point, I think uh, Eddie Majoma is only to be found tied up in a blanket in a closet somewhere at the stadium because he's uh, all but disappeared from the team. Was no, he no, he's playing eight- center back. Majoma? Yeah, that's what I said. Eddie. Eddie's the other center back. No, right but was now. he even in the was he even in the eighteen the other day? No, he was not. But that's what I mean in, in training. He's that's where he's playing. That's how no, no, out I, of the mix I, is. I, yeah, I'm just yeah. Well, I'm making the joke that he's like he went from <laughs> yeah. starting to now not even making the eighteen, and you just yeah. wonder if they've you know no. uh, stuck him in a room and put a dunce cap on his head. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't playing great, but he wasn't playing that badly, and yeah, so it's just kind of weird how and and it just and it does make you wonder how that plays in a kid's psyche at his age. Oh. Um, it's got to wreck him. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, today, uh, Emma Tuomasi t- had all the second reps at right back. So, yeah. And that was one of the first things, like uh, somebody I know that follows the academy pretty closely, one of the first things he texted me when Eddie got not only dropped from the lineup but then dropped from the 18 was, well, wreck Eddie Munjoma. His mind's going to be gone. You know, I mean, that talk about, like, it's one thing to get benched. It's another thing to get dropped completely out of the 18. That's a destroyer of confidence. Mm-hmm. It- it'll take you – uh, you know, till next sometime next season before that kid's confidence comes back, probably. And and as a as a college player, a guy that played four years, he does not have. This is already season two, so clocks ticking on that. Unfortunately, on that kid, you know, they, they don't wait around forever. I mean, they got Munjama, they got Justin Che, they got Colin Smith, who they just signed as a homegrown. Now that's a big project, but you know, they got maybe they got Ty Reynolds, maybe they got. I mean, who knows what they got coming through? So. You know, <laughs> you don't get a, a long time around these parts if you play college ball. So uh, just we should probably do our weekly check-in on one Paxton Pomacall who came in and got about 13, 14, 15 minutes into the game. Any, any, and, and I think, am I right in saying that they stuck him in the middle too when he came on? Oh, gosh, which game was that? Was that the... Um, the New England game. The New England game. No, he came I, in for Ryan, didn't he? Didn't he come off for Ryan? I thought he no, he came in for Jesus is what it, the official record oh, is. Yeah, yeah. Then he would have played as a ten. Yeah, he would have yeah. played underneath. Yeah, that's fine. Well, in training today, he looks good, looks sharp. You know, what, uh, Paxton has plays on his toes. Do you know what I mean by that? Like no, he's yeah. very, very forward in his movement. Uh, all that was there today. Very bright, very active. No hesitation. Looks good. Now, you know, where's his spot? Uh, maybe we don't quite know. I mean, he could play left where Ryan is. He could play underneath where Jesus is. Maybe he could play on the right. He could fill in as the eight. He could do that probably as for Costa. You know, I think for right now, uh, I think we're continuing with the be careful with him. We don't want to, you know, I asked Lucy specifically how Paxton feels. And he said, oh, yeah, great. You know, he had a little bit like, remember you commented about him kind of grabbing a little bit. Mm-hmm. The other day, hey, uh, Lucci said, yeah, he had a little moment, you know, where there was a couple of days where he was kind of feeling it, but he got through that. And now he feels good again. So, you know, he's in the mix. You, you got to get in games and produce. And and when you have an 11 that managed to grind out a result, you got to prove that you're better than somebody that's out there and get them off the field. Uh, and the, the spots for him are a little more limited, right or left wing probably, or as the eight. Maybe Jesus' spot, but you're not going to take Jesus out of the lineup. No. So it's not going to be that. So it's, you know, Paxton's going to have to fight through it a little bit and figure out how he can be involved. I'd love to see him try it on the right, frankly. Um, you know, he's not left footed. So, but, uh, you know, the only player that would go out there that would be left footed would be Tanner. No, Tanner's not left footed. Thomas. Thomas is left footed. That's the guy that would be Who? fit. Thomas Roberts. <laughs> Who? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, well, I thought it was interesting. Like today, like the the B team, if you will, had Har and Ricarte as the top two guys. But Thomas rotated in for Jesus with the first team. So, you know, he is a pure 10 or was a pure 10. So I kind of yeah. was intrigued by that. I'd love to see him get a few minutes in that spot. I mean, that's more of his spot than than being an eight would be. Like an eight, they've tried to make him an eight, and it's it's gone fairly well, but not enough for him to play, obviously. So... I, uh, poor kid. I, I don't know why he's not gotten out of here as fast as possible at this point. 
Yeah, well, maybe because he can't at this point. Yeah, he know, might not be able to. Because the, the club's not helping him in, no. in, in that. Uh, you know, uh, initially, I thought, you know, the, as we started the season, my favorite, most uh, fascinating story was the Frank O'Hara Pepe one. And, and that continues to interest me just simply because he's making so much money and I don't know how he starts. But I, I also want to give full credit to Hara, who every time he comes on the field, really is very clearly trying as hard as he can. He's not half-assing it. He's not walking around. He's chasing balls. He's trying to win. He's being, uh, you know, he's being a jerk to people, you know, uh, opposition center backs. He's doing all of that work. He's just too old and slow to really uh, turn it into anything, you know, in terms of uh, chance creation or goals or anything. But now I think the most interesting story on the team is what's happened to Ricarte, who was this guy they brought in, and we made the joke last week, I'm not sure if they misidentified what his real position is, but in talking about who's going to replace Brian Acosta, I would have assumed your immediate reaction is Ricarte, but yours was Tessman. So where is Ricarte on this team now? Well, he, where he's training is Jesus' spot, but you know we 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 talked about how that's not his spot. So it's like I don't I don't know why they're even bothering with that, other than they got to put him somewhere. Um, I agree that his spot is as a deep lying eight, but it's it's got to be a playmaking eight. He's not really like a pure two way guy. So in this formation, it might be a little tough because that position next to Faco is a sort of stay at home position like you don't see Acosta when they play these last couple of games making these four rays run he goes for it a little bit but not like he would when it was the double eight look um so it's possible Ricarte will be in that mix potentially but I'm telling you the whole day today in training he was playing as the Jesus uh off striker 10 uh for the second group so you know, it may be that it's just like I, I Lucy may be in a point where he's like, I have to go with this tactics that I'm doing to get results. And this guy doesn't fit. It's just wait, but I, but I, I, I does he not fit that role that Acosta has been playing perfectly as a deep line playmaker standing next to uh, uh, Faco? I mean, I, that seems perfect for him. Positionally, yes, but he doesn't play enough defense. I don't, well, let me, I shouldn't say that because when you play him in the midfield, he has more defensive pressures than almost anybody in the midfield. You know, he does press. Now, he doesn't tackle great. And he doesn't win balls all the time, but he presses. Well, so, uh, you know, he could be in that spot. So it may just be that he's just had a little bit of a falling out for some reason. Lucci sort of lost faith. I mean, that happens sometimes. Well, you know, what I would also be interested to see is him actually again play against a proper six with Faco in the team. Because remember, we've yet to see yeah. him. He's been playing all season with Acosta or Tessman playing in that role, which isn't their natural position. And I'll be, I think if I remember correctly, he played pretty well in that position when they had Tiago Santos as a true holding mid. Yeah. And well, so I, I, with the new guy here, I just wonder if things change for him. Yeah. I mean, the reason I said Tanner is because Tanner is the most similar to Acosta in style, like a pure two-way eight. I, I certainly would be more than happy to see Ricarte get an opportunity. I just didn't see it happen today. That wasn't the rotation. I mean, Brandon Cervania rotated in at that spot after Tespin. So it's like I didn't see Ricarte take a single rep at that deep eight next to Falco yeah. or well, next to Cerillo make- playing the other way for that matter. Well, it, it does it does beg the question of what's really going on there because they're spending quite a bit of money to get him and they made a big deal out of actually acquiring him in the first place. So the fact that he's now sitting on the bench and not even getting in games uh, yeah. is a weird flip in the script uh, that I wasn't I would have not have predicted uh, at this point. You know, sometimes sometimes things can happen in a team where that we we'll, we never learn about where a coach says to a guy, "I need you to do X." And if the guy doesn't ever do it, it's like, okay, you're not playing until you do that. You know, and I'm not saying that's what happened. That's what's happening. I'm just saying that, like, for some reason, both in watching the games and in watching training today, he's not using Ricarte in that position. So there must be some reason in his head, in Lucci's head, as to why it's not. And I'm not saying it's a good reason. I'm just saying there's got to be something because he didn't get a single rotation. Because I think he's terrible is that high 10 and Jesus, they used him there. It was awful. So I, why you'd want to continue to use him in that spot is beyond me. Thomas would be way better. So I don't, yeah. I, don't I don't know. Paxton, yeah, Paxton. Obviously, Paxton subbed in there. I mean, that's probably the number one choice. 
Now, in uh, Buzz's run sheet, written in big red crayon, oh, is revisit my five-point plan, explanation point, explanation yeah. point, star, star. So yeah. I guess we should probably do that. Yeah, you, you remember... It was right before the international break. I had this five-point plan, right, oh, about boy, how... To, do I remember? Yeah, I thought it was good. So was good here, here's the five things, right? Uh, number five was there are not enough center backs. And since then, Che came back, basically. So that, that added one. But since he's playing right back, there still are not enough. So even though Tafari looks to be like he's pretty decent, there's still not enough. But between him and Che, they've kind of sorted that a little bit. I still in the window would like another one, but... Number four was get a six. And I want a pony. Yeah, I know, right? I, well, I'm hopeful maybe. So get a six. So five and four, they basically have done. Three was bench Hara. Now, at the time, that was seven games in, and he had started six. You remember I talked about how you got to, sometimes you got to give a veteran a run of enough games that you can say, see, it's not working, dude. You have to sit. And they did that. They benched him. Pepe started every game since. So three, four, and five, done. Left wing needed to be fixed. Now, I said it was going to be Paxton, but instead they've changed the formation slightly and it's Ryan. So either way, Ryan, or if they go back to Paxton some more, it looks like they fixed left wing. And Justin Shea has come in, number point number one, and he's fixed right back. Not 100%, but maybe he's fixed at 80%. Also with some help from the formation. Now we have a new problem on the right wing, perhaps. But nonetheless, like the five things that I said, if they'll do these, they'll be able to compete. They did them, and now they can compete. So I, that's why I wanted to revisit it. Is that sometimes yeah, you have now, to? Yeah. Now I know why you were writing this in giant <laughs> yeah. red capital letters, and maybe that's blood. It's actually written. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I opened a vein for this one, but the, the point being is that Lucy Lucci is sacrificing what a couple of guys who get paid a lot of money and might be considered the best pure talents possibly, not Franco Har, but maybe Ricarte. You know, he's missing Hedges, he's missing Martinez, and yet he's grinding out a result by shifting his tactics. So credit to Lucci, since we ripped him for bad tactics, I'm going to give him credit for the good tactics and the credit that they, they did these five things and it made them competitive against New England. Now, if you can get some points against Vancouver, that'll be great. And then you can try and go out on the road. And I asked Lucci today specifically, I said, can you take this shape and this grind on the road? And he said, Absolutely. Because it's about mentality and it's about covering up deficiencies. So we'll see. We'll see if they can manage to grind out a decent season. Well, the power of parody that worked in their favor just a few days ago now uh, may come to bite them in the ass as as another as now a new last place team comes to visit them in Vancouver, who, by the way, had a pretty decent result themselves the other day in, uh, I think, did they win or did they tie Seattle tied in Seattle? Seattle? Yeah, tied so Seattle, that's, yeah. that's a pretty impressive result uh, considering all things. Anything? Do you think anything changes for Dallas in this, in, in this uh, matchup? No. As much as I would like to bench uh, Obreon, I don't think they will. Even if it's – I know, I know. Even if it's just because – he stinks. Well, no, no, I don't, I'm not him specifically. Um, sometimes if you're if you're preaching result and you're preaching grind, when you get the result, you got to stick with those guys. You can't then undermine that that preaching you've been doing by then yanking somebody. So I told even just for that, I think Cara will. Oh, sorry, O'Brien will go again. I'd be okay benching him, but I, I understand why I don't think he will. So I think it'll be the exact same. There's no reason to take anybody out when you got that result. Uh, I think that's the way forward. Now, long run, I still think you have an Obreon defensive help with Che problem. That, but you know when you're going against Vancouver, who's not great. Uh, Christian Diomi is a pretty solid player, but like their big, big, huge DP Lucas Cav- Cavallini has not produced. So they're kind of in a Franco Hara type situation where that guy hasn't come through. Uh, like Dallas, they won't lose anybody for the Gold Cup till after this game. So you're gonna get basically full strength Vancouver, but this is a beatable team. You know, MLS home field advantage is huge. Texas home field advantage is huge. It's hot as hell here. So this is a game. This is got to get three points. Yeah. This is a must win. Well, I, you know, must win is a, is maybe too much of an absolute, but anything less than three points, it would be really disappointing and, and and continue to set this season in a really bad direction. And in many ways, really ruin all of the work that they did, against, they did against New England. Yeah. Listen, it's, what is it, 12 of 16 are on the road? 
I think there's four home games between now and the end of, not including Vancouver. I yeah. think it's four home games between now and the end of September. So it's like, if you don't win this one, you're going to give yourself a really bad headache and mentality as you go into the, all these road games. And that was the thing that Lucci was really on edge today about mentality. He, he was yelling at guys more than he usually does, like in a negative way, but not, it wasn't ever like, that's a crap move or like that was a bad pass. It was always about mentality. It was about work. It was like, get your head up. It's like, get in the game, get your mind in the game. He was preaching about, you know, work rate and focus and mentality. And this is a job and get to work. You know, it's like they, I loved actually everything I heard from him today. It wasn't, it, you know, how you've heard him on the sideline where he's over teaching, right? He's telling mm-hmm. guys now move here, move there. None of that today. Today was all mentality and all aggressiveness and all. And I, I liked it. Even my conversation with him was 10 minutes and I got through maybe eight questions. That is remarkable for Lucci. Usually eight questions would be two and a half hours. Because he gives you these. I would really enjoy if Lucci could te- to test himself to just sit down and shut up for a game unless something really glaring was absolutely needed to be communicated. Yeah. Just and I'm and and only because it he is so unrelenting in the way that he is trying to communicate and teach on the fly. Yeah. That I again, I'm not a I'm not even a, a, an amateur soccer player. I kick a ball on occasion. I but that would drive me nuts and I have to assume that either it drives the players nuts or they've just completely tuned it out. And now it's ineffective, and he's just kind of wasting air at this point. I, I, I just think it would say something to the team if he would just be quiet and sit down and let the guys play. Yeah, if, if I remember correctly, he's even good friends with Jim Curtin, so I would love for him to take a Jim Curtin notes in terms of like yeah. Jim on the sideline never says anything. It's like that little page out of that book would be good. But yeah. Bradley doesn't say anything. Bruce Arena rarely says anything. Caleb yeah. Porter will lose his mind on occasion. But any of the better coaches in Major League Soccer are not constantly standing toes on the line, just blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 blah. And it's funny, you kind of visually see it when you're watching them on TV. But when yeah. you're at the game and you're sitting behind the bench like I was in the Minnesota game, it is so clear and so obvious, and it's it's just unrelenting. And, I, man, I would really challenge him to try to do it otherwise. I remember, I think it was Alex Ferguson I would watch, and he would have this little pad of paper, and he would just take little notes. And then, like, every once in a while, like, every 10 minutes, he might get up and be, like, and gesture to a guy, like, yeah, you up, you back. And then he would sit down, and he would, like, notes, 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 you know, just writing it all down. I'm going to fix it later. You know, there's a line to be walked in there somewhere of, uh, you know, even in my job, like, I've had a boss, like, in the middle of a game come in and, like, tap me on the shoulder and be like, hey, uh, hey dude. I'll be like, write it down. We'll talk about it afterwards. I'm in the middle of a game. You know what I mean? It's like, sometimes... Did he come in to tell you you spelled something wrong in the graphics? No, 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 (laughs) no, thank God. I don't do any typing myself. Yeah. They don't let me type. No. Yeah. I wonder why. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, definitely not. I've had to do it before. It's not good. I, yeah. Everyone in the truck has to help me. No, I'm not a typer. Yeah. I, uh, somebody check Buzz's work. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, yeah. These days I don't do that anymore. Anyway, I only produce and direct now, but it's it's, uh, big time, dude. I'm now I'm 50. I'm a grown man. So anyway, not <laughs> well, to be I mean, divergent, just, but, but to, to think about that, think of, think of the best coaches globally around the world. Wh- yeah. Name me one that acts like Lucci does in a game. And I, mm. and I can't, I've tried, I can't think of one that it comes even close to the amount of just incessant blathering and instruction and education that he's trying to do. And, and especially after being there for the Minnesota game, sitting down there and just kind of watching him and listening to him, it's clear nobody's paying attention to him. And he's, and it just kind of, it, you know what it, it does, but it, it, it screams insecurity to me, right? Like he feels like he has no control over the game. So the only thing he can do is stand there and scream and yell, at players and I think he thinks it's encouraging but I don't think it comes off that way yeah you might be right in that you know part of it is he so much wants to teach um 
the only guy I can think of that moves around like quite like that is Klopp. Klopp's pretty demonstrative, but it's not it's not like teaching instructing though. It's just him jumping around like a cheerleader. But it's also not for ninety minutes. I mean, no, literally, no, true, watch true, true. him. I mean, yeah. he goes on and on and on, and that's the difference to yeah. me. And I and it all comes from a good place. I know he means well. I'm not saying he's being a jerk to anybody or he's a he, he you know he's a dickhead. I'm just saying he just comes across as a very inexperienced manager over uh, trying way too hard and not just letting his players do what he spent the entire week prepping for. Well, yeah, I mean, he is an experienced manager, so <laughs> I know. But yeah, that, I think that I, is I that you. kind of shows it, and and that would be not that anybody should listen to me um, on these things, but that would be my one piece of advice. Although I will point out that I and this podcast pointed out the oddity of the Hall of Fame being closed during the games, and lo and behold, look what was open. No, oh. before the game, the Good. Hall of Fame was open. Yeah. So. We flexed our muscle and things happened over there at the yeah. old FC Dallas Toyota Stadium facility. And I think we should take full credit, don't you, Buzz? Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Did they open up the South Gate for you? Were you able to get out that way? I, I didn't go. I didn't go no. to the game. Oh. No. no. no, no, no <laughs> okay. No, no. Um, uh, this, okay. The, the lines look better. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go to the concessions, but there was not a lot of lines when I was looking around. I didn't see. Well, there was a there was a slightly, uh, you know, I saw that the official attendance was about two grand less than the previous game. Did it look that way to you? Oh man, it's hard to really tell. I mean, yeah, I think it was down a little bit. I mean, the first game back, everyone came out, and then you know they they didn't do so well, so then people came out less and. And, you know, I heard that a lot, you know, with MLS Next being in town and there's a bunch of teenagers around, uh, I saw a ton of photos and videos and social media uh, commentary about the supporters groups really having a fantastic time and being packed with all these kids that showed up and took their shirts off and really added to the festivities and the party. And then promptly the club squashed it because they were... (laughs) They threw doing water. something, yeah. yeah. I, what, I, I'm still not clear on what you know why they would go. Uh, no pun intended. Be a buzzkill about it, but um, that's too bad. They threw water. That's against the rules, I guess, or something. Were they throwing water on the field, or just kind of like in celebration? In celebration, I think I, they didn't throw like a bottle or anything. I think it was just flinging beer, not beer, flinging water around. Oh, and that's they don't. Silly. They apparently don't like that. Yeah, yeah it's a shame. Yeah. I, I, you know. Hopefully they, I think the supporters want to try and reach out to some of the, you know, academy teams and be like, Hey, come sit with us or whatever. So maybe they'll be able to get some out. So yeah, that'd be that, cool would, that. that would be great. The other commentary from the game, uh, you know, I, I watched them in lineups and I was like, wait, something, something's different here. When have we ever seen Dallas? So by the way, this is only the second time all season they've worn the powder blue jerseys. And it, ironically, it's both been games at home, which makes no sense to me. Um, but this time, uh, the other time they wore them was in the game earlier. I think it was against Portland where they wore the uh, navy blue shorts. But here yeah. they were wearing white shorts and white socks. And I thought that looked sharp. Oh, yeah. The, the white shorts look with that with that jersey look really good. I, I'd love to see white shorts, red socks because then they yes. really pop. It would um, totally be a yeah. tornado throwback if they oh, did that. Yeah, that, you'd have one of the best kits in the league. I mean, that kid is phenomenal anyway. But if you, if you did that, why well, such Red Sox? Mm, that would be so good. That would. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the one reason why they didn't was because they went to L.A. And L.A. wore their roads at home one time. So that's why they, were, they didn't get to wear them in L.A. They wore their reds in L.A. Um, I can't remember where the other time they could have done it. They haven't had a lot of road games. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the season was well, San Jose with wears blue, right? So they played in San Jose and San Jose yeah. wears blue. LA wore the road kits. And where is the other? There was two other road games. So Minnesota wore gray at home. So they wore the red. And then at Colorado. I wonder if Colorado wore their home whites. So anyway, I, I just think I think that looks good. That was a good look. Again, the Red Sox would make it even better, but uh, overall, uh, fantastic look. Okay, so any uh, so we don't think any changes for Vancouver. That's the big July Fourth game. There'll be fireworks afterwards. Make sure you uh, get a good parking space. I would always tell you that the best place to watch the fireworks is from the parking lot 
on the north side uh, is not in the stadium. It's actually in the parking lot. That's the best place to actually watch the fireworks. My tip, my pro tip to you, the good third degree listener. The other big news today was that the Gold Cup roster was announced. And uh, uh, unfortunately, there are no current FC Dallas players on the roster, and I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that, Buzzard. Well, I think you should be excited about that because if you're trying to win games, you don't want anybody on the Gold Cup roster. Mm, okay. Well, I had kind of given up on the season anyway. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think um, Jesus, you know, coming off injury, Paxton coming off injury, Tanner's just too young still. You know, Che. And Pepe's too young too. Pe- Pepe's probably too young still for the Gold Cup. Um, roster, especially when they got they got other guys, they, you know that, that they can play at striker. You know, Che. We talked about it. people were like, "Why not Che?" I was like, "Dude, you guys are crazy." You remember that Che only got that other call up because Richards got hurt, and Che right. was like down the block. So, oh, and then Che had had that interview. Was like, "Maybe I'll play for Germany." They were like, "Ah, oh, come to camp." You know, I mean, that was all that that was. They weren't really like, "I'm going to play a 17 year old on the national team." I mean, don't be ridiculous. It's like, I don't know. People thought he was going to get called up. That's insane. You know, uh, yeah, it is disappointing. Uh, I, I mean, to a degree, uh, Jesus not getting the call up is a bit disappointing, but you can understand that from you know the injury situation. But I am a little disappointed that Paxton didn't get the call up. I understand why, but we're we're getting to that point where you begin to wonder where that kid's career path is starting to yeah. veer off to. Um, and is he going to end up being that guy that just gets forgotten about no matter how much he improves over the next 12 months or so? Are they going to fill in all these other positions with so many other people that no matter how well he plays for Dallas, he just kind of becomes the forgotten guy? Yeah, he right now he can't hold down a starting position with FC Dallas. It doesn't matter why. If you right. can't do that, you're not going to be in there. Now, look, when they take guys that are fringe guys or the guys that are backups, but in, in it's just not likely to happen when you play a position where they have so many other talented people and like people are like, Oh, passing and play is a six. Uh, I always want to say like, you can't just take a guy and stick him that you think is good and just stick him at a spot on the field and think he's going to be good. Like other positions have responsibilities. They have tactical jobs. You can't expect Paxton to overnight become this ball winning, hard nosed six play like Chris Armis just because he happened to get called up. You know, it's like, that's not what he is. Stop talking about Paxson as a six, right? That's not what he does. Mm -hmm. So he's got to get healthy and he's got to show that he's good enough to supplant somebody that plays where he plays, which is like an eight. You're looking at a position like maybe Weston McKinney, maybe Pulisic. That's where he's playing in those teams. Gio Reyna plays those spots. So like to get him into the starting lineup is going to be difficult even just to get him into a 24-man roster, if you can't stay healthy, is going to be almost impossible. So the kid needs to focus on FC Dallas. He's to focus on his body and prove that you can get through a Major League Soccer season without getting hurt and maybe two Major League Soccer seasons without getting hurt because right now he can't do that. And we love Paxton. We want him to be a huge part of this team. But if you can never stay healthy for more than half the games, you're never going to play in the national team consistently. Well, Dallas, believe it or not, Buzz, is actually favored in the betting lines. Um, not that I understand any of this stuff because I'm not a better. It says Dallas is minus 135 and Vancouver is plus 325. And since you're a heavy, hardcore better, you probably yeah. understand that better than me. But I think I'm, I'm right in saying this may be the first time Dallas has been favored to win a game. Uh, all season. I think I'm correct in saying that. Well, you know, home field advantage matters. They just had a good result and Vancouver's not particularly very good. So I mean, this is about as big of a favorite that as Dallas has had in a while. And But as you just said, crazy MLS is crazy. I remember the New York Red Bulls coming in here with a complete squad rotation and stomping Dallas 3-0 one time. And that's when Dallas was good. So, you know, crazy stuff happens. But you're right that given the schedule, this is all but a must win. You got to get points here out of this one. Well, don't forget that Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Soccer 90s. You should go over to Soccer90.com for all of your FC Dallas national team and international club gear. By the way, when I went in there, I was really impressed with the selection 
of uh, European and Mexican and all over the world club gear that they have at that place. It's really uh, quite impressive and good. And don't forget, because you are a huggable, lovable listener of this podcast as a third degree listener, you get 25% off your order when you use the code third degree at checkout at soccer90.com. Well, I think I missed little Dan Crook today on this buzz, but this was lots of fun just being, this was kind of old school, just you and me chatting about our uh, little MLS team here in town. That was kind of fun. Well, we've only been doing it since 1997, so I can't imagine why it seemed old school to you. <laughs> we, Peter, Wait. we've been doing this longer than Paxton's been alive. Just all that out there for you. Jesus Christo. Back in the 1900s. Yeah, that's a century ago. Lord. All right. Well, Buzz, thanks, man. That was a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, hopefully we'll uh, have more fun next week with another a big win. And thank you, FC Dallas Curious fans. We will speak to you next week on another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Damn crook. Hi, Dan. We miss you. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast.